Hello, my name is Gerald Garrett, and before I get into the wrestling news of the week, I just want to mention this. This has now been breaking news. AEW's own Chris Jericho, WWE legend Chris Jericho, will be on Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken uh, Sessions podcast, well, basically a show, on WWE Network, but not the network, Peacock. It's now on Peacock, I gotta remember this. Um, That's a shocker to the whole wrestling world, because AEW is WWE's competition since, well... AEW has arrived on the scene in late 2019, and since Jericho's on the competing uh, show, it came to a shock to the wrestling community because we had no idea that one how it, Chris Jericho is even how did Chris Jericho even get on Austin's podcast or even the show, and because Austin works with WWE whenever he does the Broken Skull Sessions is on the WWE Network, which is now on Peacock. And the WWE is owned by Vince McMahon, who is in competition with Tony Khan, who owns AEW. And as I said, Chris Jericho's on AEW in Austin. He kind of works with WWE. And this is how it basically came together. Austin did a podcast. No, not a podcast. He did the Broken Skull Sessions with The Undertaker whenever he Undertaker was talking about the retiring and all that good stuff. Austin gets done. Jericho texts him, tells him he did a good job on the uh, episode with Taker. Austin says, okay, thanks, man. And they start texting one another. And then, well, there you go. They come up with the conversation to have Jericho on the um, episode. Austin immediately... Austin has to tell Vince. Vince okays it. And I believe Jericho asks Tony Khan. And Tony Khan said, okay, so there you go. That is how Jericho is on the Broken Skull session that will be airing on April the 11th after WrestleMania, night two of WrestleMania. But anyway, let me get into the wrestling of the week. I'm going to hit the main points of each show. And I'm, I'm, let's get to going. Monday Night Raw. The big highlights were the Hurt Business breaking up. Uh... Randy Orton cutting the promo on The Fiend. Rhea Ripley and Asuka having a contract signing was basically Asuka and Rhea Ripley talking smack about one another, leading to Rhea Ripley flipping the table on Asuka. And Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler comes out, challenged them both to a match next week. So now we're going to try to see if Rhea Ripley and Asuka can get together and just endure each other enough for this one night until WrestleMania that later coming down the week on a, what day are they on? They are on night two. That's next, well, that's Sunday of that week coming. So they'll have to endure, they'll have to endure one another for that one night until they actually have to fight each other that Sunday coming. Drew McIntyre was being paranoid throughout the rest of the, um, Monday night. There were segments of Drew McIntyre walking um, across the arena and he was wondering if anybody was going to try to come after him because Bobby Lashley put a bounty out on him. And Bobby Lashley stated that if anybody could take out Drew McIntyre, he will give them a WWE Championship opportunity at WrestleMania. Basically, they will be replacing Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania against Bobby. Drew went to the men's locker room and he started instigating with a whole lot of dudes. He tried to instigate with Braun Strowman. Strowman didn't take the bait. He tried to instigate with Drew Gulak. Gulak tried to punch him, but he got hit with a Glasgow kiss. It's basically a headbutt, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Humberto Carrillo, he tried to attack Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre manhandled Drew Humberto. 
Then Drew walked up to Ricochet. Ricochet told him, hey, man, you know how I feel. If I want to come after you, I'll come after you head up, face to face. But I'm not with that. But if it's a fight you're looking for, you know where to, you know where I'll be. So that's set up for the match later on the night. Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet. But let me get back to the Hurt Business breaking up. Bobby Lashley and MVP, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin were together known as the Hurt Business. They were together from the middle of 2020 all the way to now, this past Monday night. Well, through that time, the wrestling community came together and we all decided that, okay, the Hurt Business is a cool faction. They're a cool-looking, stable group of guys that were underutilized. They weren't doing nothing with but now since they're all together, you're starting to see them on TV. You're starting to see Shelton Benjamin getting used. You're starting to see uh, Cedric Alexander getting used. And you're starting to see Bobby Lashley start becoming the monster that he sh should have been. And we're starting to see that actual potential of him being a legit main event caliber superstar all thanks to one man mvp so shout outs to mvp for elevating these guys to the exact level that they need to be so this man can take these guys seriously to actually do something with them anyway last week cedric alexander and shelton benjamin failed to get the job done on beating down drew mcintyre bobby lashley basically tells them you're out of the hurt business cedric and shelton gets butt hurt they don't like it and shelton uh basically attacks Bobby. Bobby knees Shelton the ribs, threw him outside the ring. And that ends that segment. Next thing, they go to commercial. Coming back from commercial, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin looks for Adam Pierce, and they tell Adam that they want to have a match with Bobby. She, uh, Cedric tells him that Shelton wants a match with him this week, and next week, I want Bobby Lashley. Adam Pierce makes the match. Later in the night, Adam Pierce, not Adam Pierce, but Shelton Benjamin goes against Bobby. Shelton puts up a great effort against Bobby. There's even some uh, moments in the match that Shelton has Bobby beat, but Bobby Lashley's just too strong, and Bobby just beats Shelton. So next week, now we will have Cedric Alexander taking on Bobby Lashley. Let's see if Cedric can try to wound Bobby enough that Cedric at least has a good enough shot to. If not beat Bobby Lashley, at least hook Bobby Lashley for a surprise roll-up. And sneak with a win. I'm not when I meant by beat Bobby Lashley, I meant like we're not we know we're not gonna see a definitive like beat down of Cedric beating up Bobby Lashley. No, I'm hoping for like a sneak, sneaky win. And then after the fact, Bobby just goes crazy and starts beating the brakes off of Shelton. Not Shelton, but Cedric. That's what I'm hoping for. Since we're gonna do this whole breakup deal, have Bobby just straight up just snap. Lean into that monster side. So that Monday night, he'll carry all that monster energy all the way to the next, that Sunday coming, whenever he has, no, not that Sunday, that Saturday coming, sorry, where he goes against Drew at WrestleMania. I'm used to saying Sunday because WrestleMania is usually a one-night deal, but now I have to get used to it for the two nights. Anyway, uh, oh yeah, end of the night, Drew winning against Ricochet. Ricochet put up a good fight. Drew McIntyre ends up winning. MVP's out on commentary, commentating through the match. After the match, McIntyre grabs the mic and says, is that everybody? Is that all you got? Then Mustafa Ali comes from behind him. Shoulder blocks. Uh, no shoulder blocks, but chop blocks. Uh, Drew in the knee. And 
Drew has a match with Mustafa Ali now. And uh, Mustafa Ali fights with all he can against Drew. And Drew ends up beating Mustafa Ali. After that, Drew gets the mic and calls out Bobby Lashley. Bobby comes out. <clears throat> Those two starts fighting against one another. And then King Corbin, out of nowhere, comes out and starts beating down Drew McIntyre. Now it's a two-on-one beatdown. And the last image that you see on Monday Night Raw is Drew on the ground, laid out, while Bobby is holding the championship over Drew, and King Corbin is just in the corner. Now, that left everybody with a lot of questions Monday. Like, why is King Corbin there? He's a SmackDown guy. Well, son, well, I'm going to tell you exactly why King Corbin was there. Because this Friday night on SmackDown, he had, a, and he had a little segment and he explained why. He said that I heard Bobby Lashley put a hit out on Drew saying that if anybody could beat Drew up, and take him out, they will get his position at WrestleMania. So, he cashed in on that idea. So now, this upcoming Monday Night Raw, it will be Drew McIntyre versus King Corbin. If King Corbin gets the job done, he takes Drew's spot and goes to Mania. That's plain and simple for you. Uh, Anything else on that one? Nope. Okay, that was on Raw. Nice cut. That saved you guys a whole lot of time. Raw's three hours, and I say you about a good a lot of time off of that review. Impact Wrestling, that happens on Tuesday nights. Nope, no, no, not Tuesday, because next week, this coming week, on April the 8th, I believe. Let me check on that. Hold on one second. Yes, this, I just checked it, April the 8th. It will be Impact returning on Thursday nights on still on Access TV, but it will be back on Thursdays. Anyway. On Impact this week, James Storm had his 1,000th match on TNA slash Impact. And whatever you want to call it, I know it as TNA Wrestling. That's how I first uh, saw this company, but it's now known as Impact Wrestling anyway. He had his 1,000th match against Eric Young. And before that match happened, matter of fact, earlier in the night, James Storm was talking about how he didn't know what he, uh, how... Him and another guy known as Wildcat, Chris Harris, two guys who were just there, got the opportunity to even wrestle on TNA because of one guy, Bob Ryder. So basically, James Storm was given his whole career to Bob Ryder, Ryder because without Bob Ryder, there will be no James Storm. There will be no America Most Wanted. So he's giving his whole career basically to this one guy. And Bob Ryder died, I believe, Earlier this year or late last year, 2020, I'm not so sure, but he does give his career to this guy. And while he's doing that, um, his buddy, his old tag team partner, Chris Harris, shows up and those two look at one another and they hug one another. Chris Harris tells him, congratulations, congratulations on this being your 1000th match in TNA. And, uh, and he told him, I'll be in your corner later tonight against Eric. Uh, James Storms is a beating Eric Young, and he wins his 1,000th match. Uh, another thing that happened on Impact. Sammy Callahan wants to mentor Trey Miguel. Ever since Trey Miguel came back to Impact Wrestling, he was supposed to go with his buddies over to NXT. That was the rumor reports 
from whenever uh, Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier, better known, known as now in MS, as MSK in NXT, they were supposed to, all three of them, the Rascals, Trey Miguel, Desmond Wentz, no, not Desmond Wentz, God, Desmond Alexander, Desmond Xavier, and Zachary Wentz, there we go, were supposed to go to NXT, but only two of the three went, and now Trey Miguel went back to TNA. Sammy Callahan has been pushing Trey Miguel's buttons ever since he's came back, saying you don't have heart, you blame uh, being overlooked because you because of your buddies, those are supposed to be your friends, and such and such. Sammy Callahan had a match with Larry D this week, and Sammy Callahan saved Trey Miguel last week from getting beat down by Double XL, and this week that didn't happen. So Sammy Callahan got his butt beat. And Trey Miguel didn't come out there to save him. And you see backstage, Sammy Callahan even says that up to Trey Miguel. I saved you last week. You didn't save me this week. That's fine. That's cool. That's cool. I understand that you don't like me, but that's fine. But I'm not here for you to like me. I want to be your mentor. And Trey Miguel just basically starts yelling at him. They both have a back and forth. And Sammy Callahan told him that I put in a word with Scott Demore. Next week, myself and a partner of my choosing going against Double XL. I want you to be my partner. And he tells Trey, I'll give you a week to think about it. So we might be seeing some character development, some storyline development between Sammy Callahan and Trey Miguel. Uh, the biggest thing that happened on Impact, besides James Storm's 1000th match, was next week, it will be the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Well, Doc Gallows and Kenny Omega going against Rich One, Willie Mack, and Eddie Edwards. This is basically a match that's culminating to try to build up to their to Omega and Swan's match at eight night AEW, but at Impact's Wrestling's Revolution. Not Revolution, Rebellion. There it is. God, Revolution Rebellion. It's too close together. At Rebellion. It's basically gonna be Sammy Count not Sammy. Rich Swan. Going against Kenny Omega, title for title. Rich Swan is the Impact Champion, while Kenny Omega is the AEW Champion, title for title. And I, to be honest, I'm hoping to see Kenny win, and I want to see Impact guys start invading AEW. Because right now, it's only one-sided. All of, well, not really. Yeah, it's one-sided, because the only people that's benefiting out of this is basically Doc and Carl, because those two are the only guys on Impact roster that's going over to AEW and doing whatever they want. While AEW already had Private Party, Matt Hardy, uh, Kenny Omega, Tony Khan, and Jerry Lynn all on their television, I would like to see some Impact guys jump over to AEW and just start beating them down. I'm hoping that's what it's leading up to whenever Kenny beats Swan for the Impact title. That will lead to Sammy Callahan joining forces, probably with John Moxley, because Sammy Callahan already told Don Callis last week on Impact that I don't care whoever wins, whether it be Swan or Omega, I'm coming after that title. And John Moxley still wants his AEW title, so I can see those two coming together. But I'll lead to that later because I have a because I I have a way of how to make this thing happen. I have, matter of fact. Whenever I get to AEW highlights, I have a way how this is going to happen. I'm thinking, thinking. Now, let me get to NXT. NXT, 
it was basically the Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai beat up each other's show. There was three segments throughout that whole night. You had Raquel Gonzalez going against uh, Zoe Starks. Raquel Gonzalez beat Zoe Starks, and after the fact, Io Shirai comes out, and she tries to beat up on Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel dogs Io Shirai and just tosses her like it was nothing. That's one segment. Later segment, Raquel's backstage uh, having an interview, and Io Shirai attacks her backstage. Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez puts Io Shirai through a wall backstage. You would think Io Shirai would be, that would be enough for Io, and, but you'll be wrong. Because at the end of the night, uh, Io Shirai calls out Raquel Gonzalez. Those two have him, those two start throwing blows to one another. Then the whole female roster start coming out to separate the two. Uh, there were a couple of females holding Io back, but there was like a lot of them holding Raquel back, even to the point that it got Raquel out of the ring. <coughs> and Io Shirai was able to springboard off the top rope and crawl, do a crossbody onto Raquel and all the females outside. So the last image that you see on NXT that night was Io Shirai standing over a fallen Raquel Gonzalez and the rest of the female competition in NXT. What else happened on NXT was uh, Santos Escobar had an open challenge and Tyler Breeze accepted that open challenge. Santos Escobar and Tyler Breeze had a good match, but Escobar beat it Breeze. In the beginning of the night, Cameron Grimes had a match against Roderick Strong. Cameron Grimes ended up beating Roderick Strong because he pulled out the UE headband from his trunks. Not headband, but armband from his trunks. And Roderick looked at the armband and he was just confused. It brought back emotions. Cameron Grimes took advantage of it and won the match. After the match, after the commercial break, you see Roderick Strong backstage. He's all clothed up now. And he has his luggage and he starts walking out into the arena. The interviewer asks Strong, what are you doing? You have a, you're supposed to be in the main event tonight in a battle royal. He says, I'm done. And she says, what? You're just not going to be in a ba battle royal? He says, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with everything. I'm done. And that's what we're left with. We're, what, we're wondering, okay, what does Roderick mean? Is he done with wrestling? Is he done with just with, what was he done with? We don't know. We'll have to find out later. Not later through the night, but like later as this whole story goes. Um, the main event of the whole thing was the eleven man. Now it's supposed to be twelve, but now eleven man battle royal. The last six men, the last six, the last six men in the ring will be the six men that will be competing next week in the six man uh, eliminator gauntlet to determine who will go against Johnny Gargano on night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And here's how they will be going in, because this is how, because uh, the beginners of the six-man uh, gauntlet are as follows. The two men that will be starting the match are Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott. Whoever wins out of that one will have to go against Bronson Reed. And then whoever wins out of Bronson Reed and whoever... We'll have to go against Cameron Grimes. And the next person after Cameron Grimes is Dexter Loomis. And the next person after Dexter Loomis is L.A. Knight. Those are the six men that will be in that gauntlet match to face Johnny Gargano at night two of TakeOver. 
And also, um, they were doing a vignette of somebody's dog running across NXT. And I knew who dog it was. And as soon as I first saw it, I was like, okay, so this is how they're setting it up. And I'm just going to spoil it for you right now. It's Taya Valkyrie, Johnny uh, Mundo, or John Morrison, as he's now known in WWE, wife. She is with WWE. She signed a contract, and this is how they're propping her up. So on that Tuesday night, the NXT premiere on Tuesday, April 13th, you will see Taya Valkyrie. I don't know what her name is yet in NXT, but... Her name on Impact and on the Independent Circuit was Taya Valkyrie. She will be making her NXT debut. And also another thing that I did point out and I did see, NXT has better promo hype packages than the main roster. NXT has a whole lot of matches that are better than the main roster, and apparently they have better promo uh, hype packages than the main roster. You don't believe me? Watch the promo package for Adam Cole Versus Kyle O'Reilly going against any promo package right now on the main roster. Leading into the biggest show of the year, WrestleMania. Look at Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly's promo package compared to the main roster. You tell me if NXT doesn't have better promo packages than the WWE, the actual main uh, centerpiece. The top echelon, the Raw and the SmackDown. Look at this past week's NXT promo package, and then you look at the promo package that you're going to see this upcoming week, because they're going to try to make you guys watch WrestleMania and try to sell you into watching WrestleMania. I'm already sold. I'm watching WrestleMania either way. That's what I do. But just go back, watch the promo packages, go to YouTube, and just type in Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole NXT promo. You're going to see it. And then type in Edge versus Daniel Bryan versus Roman promo for WrestleMania. That's the biggest match of WrestleMania, to be honest. But anyway, look at those two promo packages. Tell me what you think. You're going to see the difference. It's a big difference. Now off the AEW, the opposite of NXT, but not really the opposite. They both had great episodes. I tweeted it out. I said AEW and NXT both this week were great episodes. I'm basically saying AEW is supposed to be the alternative to WWE. That's what I meant by, and now the opposite. So let me clarify that. Christian Cage went against Kazarian, and it was a great match. It had some scary moments that even got me, because it looked like Christian was out of it a little bit. Like, he took some heavy fallings outside of the ring, and some of the moves, like, it just added a little oomph to him, and it looked like Christian was, little, was like, legitimate hurt, but he was able to regather himself, hit uh, uh, Kazarian with the Unprettier, a.k.a. the now known as the Kill Switch, and he got the win. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers beat Laredo Kid and Lucha Bros in a six-man match. Great match. There's, I mean, what more can you say when it's the Lucha Brothers and Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers and somebody like Laredo Kid or another Luchador or even another high flyer that can do the stuff that they do. All their styles mesh together with Kenny's style. And Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows can easily mesh with Kenny and do what they need to do. So that was a great match. Um, after the match, uh, the Young Bucks and John Moxley came on the ramp and it's set up for John Moxley and the Bucks going against Kenny Omega 
and the Good Brothers. Now, this is what I was talking about, how I'm going to tie in Sammy Callahan coming into AEW. I have a feeling that this is going to be a turn, how the Young Bucks are going to turn on John Moxley, and they're all just going to be, this is going to be one big ruse. They're all going to have a big party because... I don't see the Young Bucks going against Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson yet. And I don't see that happening yet. I see that happening down the line. But I just don't see it happening like literally right now. If it happens, that's cool. But I don't see it. I see it as John Mox is going to get his butt kicked a lot. He's going to want to try to start the match off next week. He's not going to want to try to tag in the Young Bucks at all until he likes get real beat. And then the Young Bucks are going to have to like do the whole jumping motion, like tag me in, tag me in. Then John Mox is like... Like, he tags them, and then the whole crowd's going to be cheering, yay, yay, yay. And he's going to tag in Matt. And I, the reason why I specifically say Matt is because um, Matt had a conversation with Cyrus the Virus, or better known as Don Callis, the Invisible Hand. I'm sorry for saying Cyrus, because that was his ECW name, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was, I was trying to remember his name. Don Callis. Don Callis had talked to Matt Jackson and he told him how you guys betrayed Kenny. What happened to you guys? What happened to the guys in Japan? What happened to the guys that should have been there with Kenny and you're like family to Kenny, but you turn your back on him? What happened to you? He just kept on trying to antagonize and provoke Matt Jackson to the point that Matt grabbed up Don and Don's like, okay, okay, okay. Matt just, like, let go of it, and Don was like, I was expecting you to hit me, but you didn't. God, you really are pathetic. So I'm seeing that he's going to try to snap the Young Bucks into, okay, we didn't, we weren't there for Kenny, we're going to be there for Kenny, he chose us, whether we like his choices or not, he chose us, we're going to do what needs to be done. He's our buddy, that's our man. So I see next week, John Moxley get himself beat down a lot. He's going to tag in Matt. Matt's going to do the whole, yeah, yeah. He's going to try to challenge, if anything, Kenny. Kenny's going to get in the ring, and then you see John Moxley off in the corner. And then you're probably going to see Matt pick up John and then probably give him a super kick or something. Something like that is going to happen. And then Nick's going to be confused, and then Matt's going to talk Nick into it. Nick's going to be like the... Guy that's just being roped into this. That's how I see Matt doing that. Anyway, I see it as a big ruse. John Mox is going to get himself beat up next week. And then, this is how I tie it in. Callahan and Moxley have a record. Callahan and Moxley were together in the independents. And all the independent fans, all the die-hard Fans that have known their backstory, know John Moxley's backstory, know Sally Callahan's backstory, have been waiting for them to come together since, well, Moxley got signed first in WWE and then Callahan got signed. We thought we were going to see it there. Didn't happen. So now, since AEW is working with Impact and New Japan, we hope to see Sammy Callahan probably jump up on AEW and probably help his buddy to get... Kenny Omega, but I see that later once Kenny wins the Impact title. Then that's whenever I see Sammy Callahan popping up on AEW to go after Kenny, and then he's going to look at John, and then they're going to just hug one another, and then the fans at home that get it will get it. 
And then I see probably a three-man deal of Kingston, Sammy Callahan, and John Moxley, CZW guys going against the Bullet Club, Bucks, Gallows, Anderson, and um, Omega. That's how I see it. That's how I envision it. If not, cool. But that's just my open shot. What else happened on AEW? Oh, yeah. QT Marshall betraying Cody and the Nightmare Family. QT and Cody were just supposed to have an exhibition match. Cody was getting the best of QT Marshall this whole entire match. And towards the end of it, QT hits Arnie Anderson in the face. Arnie Anderson was a special guest referee for this thing. And the whole Nightmare Family runs into the ring. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The Nightmare Family, the recruits, were outside of the ring like being the lumberjacks for this exhibition. And after QT hits Arn Anderson in the face, the recruits run into the ring with Dustin and Cody to, to hold Arn Anderson, look at QT and ask, what are you doing? Why are you doing this, bro? QT is holding his face like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He couldn't believe... He the what he done and he starts walking up the ring. He looks at the everybody inside of the ring and then he turns his back. And then once he turns his back, you see a couple guys from the Nightmare Family turn on the Nightmare Family. So they were being double agents. They were with QT Marshall all along, and it was a guy named Eric Solo, a big guy. I don't know the man's name. He has wild hair. He's the guy that got beat up by uh John Moxley mad weeks ago that who had a QT Marshall and Dustin at ringside watching the show. And then you have a boxer who was training under Cody. Anyway, they all turn on the nightmare family and you, they had, they busted up Dustin and they were about to put Cody's head on top of the steel steps. And he was about to get hit with a concerto by QT Marshall, then Red Velvet had to come out and stop them from doing that. So now you have a complete different faction now of QT and his faction, and now you have Cody and his own Nightmare Family Recruit faction. Might I say, AEW is the home of stables. If you are a new guy and you need to be around people, just jump into a faction. You'll make your name there. AEW, really, that should be their tagline. AEW, home of stables. That's it. I mean, there's not really a single person on the AEW roster that doesn't have somebody at least watching their back. There's nobody that's like a real loner there. You would say Adam uh, Page, but no, he got the Dark Order. John Moxley, nope, he got Eddie Kingston right now that's watching his back. Uh, who else were supposedly like the main loners? Well, Kingston came in, he was supposed to be a loner, but then he created a family. But now he got John Moxley watching his back. I mean, AEW has everybody watching each other's back. That's cool. That's cool and all. But I want them to understand that you just can't be throwing people into factions here and there, left and right, left and right. You got to make it a purpose and make it understand and make it actually click and make people care about it. This was a good way to do it with the two uh, siding families. If rather, if you're a recruit, do you rock with QT or do you rock with Cody? I like how they did it with this. So I like what they did right here. But I'm just saying, you can't always just throw everybody into a faction. Just saying. Speaking of faction, we have faction gang warfare. The pinnacle 
was in their locker room that they took from the inner circle. MGF had an uh, interior decorator in there. He told the Pinnacle that, boys, we have a designer now, and he's going to be designing our suits. He's going to be designing this office and that we have now, and I can't wait for this room to be better than the people that we got it from, the filth, those cretins, as known as the inner circle, and MJF opens up the bathroom because he smells a smell something, and he opens up the bathroom, and inside the bathroom is Jericho, Proud and Powerful, and Sammy Guevara. MJF shuts the door, and he says, okay, we gotta leave, and you hear in the background, they say, what? MJF just quickly walks to the front door and says, yo, we gotta leave, we gotta leave, and then he opens up the front door, and it's Jake Hager looking at MJF. MGF stands stuck, and then Hager throws a haymaker right in MJF's face, and then all gang warfare breaks out. Mox, not Moxley, uh, Hager is fighting Warlow out in the lock, out in the hallway to the massage parlor. He puts hey, uh, Warlow through a massage table. That's one scene. You have Sammy Guevara going against Sean Spears. They fought. They fight in the hallway, in the hallway, next to a door. Uh, Sammy Guevara hits uh, Sean Spears with his finish. I can't remember the name right now, but it's a basically inverted go to sleep. And while Sean Spears is laid out, he's in between like the inner in inner way of a door. So Sammy Guevara now it has the door and starts slamming it on Sean Spears. Power to Powerful is going against FTR and Tully. And Santana is beating up on uh, Dax while Ortiz is beating up on Cash. And I believe... No, 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 no. Yep. Ortiz is beating up. Yep, Ortiz is throws uh, Cash into the water ice bucket outside while Santana is beating up on Tully and he grabs a part of a part of a chair that has uh one of the broken leg chairs and it's wooden and he spikes it on Dax's uh head and Dax later at the end of the show once you go online you see Dax ends up getting staples in his not staples of stitches in his head so there you go he actually did get cut in the head and the last scene that you see is MJF fighting against Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho puts MJF's head into the toilet and gives him a swirly. I said, no. I yelled out, no, as I saw that. Because it's been a minute since you saw somebody get a swirly. Just going to be blunt with it. And he gets uh, MJF's head after giving him through a swirly. He puts his head right through glass, uh, like the glass... Uh, container that you see uh at like a walmart as you're trying to get a drink through he puts him through that glass thing and then he throws him out of his uh locker room and the inner circle has now took him back over their locker room i like what they did there for this segment i just wish that we would have waited just a little bit more just a little bit more i wanted the i wanted the pinnacle to start getting a little bit more wins before the inner circle came in but it still was a fine segment Still great segment overall. I just wanted uh, Inner Circle just to be away just for a little bit more while the Pinnacle was able to 
gather some wins under their belts. More wins and put themselves in the rankings. So when Inner Circle does come back, you have at least that, okay, yeah, you had the bad blood, but then you have, okay, you're in the rankings. I want that spot to have that top dog faction faction as it should be style thing. But hey, I might be overthinking it, but that's just me yet again. And the main event of AEW was the best friends going against Miro and Kip Sabian in RK Anarchy. I like this whole setup. Uh, shout outs and congratulations to Tony Khan and the whole AEW production uh, team because that whole setup was uh, crazy to me. They had RK systems out there. They had the um, little game that you grab uh, the the crane that you grab things out of, but you never really can't ever grab things out of that crane machine. And uh, they had the whack-a-mole. Anyway, it was a big old brawl. It was a nice style brawl. I suggest you look up for it. I don't know what cable provider you do have, or if you don't have cable, try to search for it on the internets. Look up Kip Sabian and Miro versus Best Friends at Arcade Anarchy. You'll have a great time watching it. Uh, there was two big returns in this match. Uh, Chris Statlander uh, made her return from injury. She put Penelope Ford through an air hockey table. And then Trent came back. And he, with his mom, well, his mom drove him to the arena. Trent came out and started helping out his best friends, uh, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. And he puts Miro through a table. He spears him through a table. And say, uh, Chuck Taylor has is fighting Kip Sabian on the stage. He grabs Kip Sabian up into a power slam position. He runs and then they jump off the stage onto a table, smash the table through. And Chuck Taylor is covering Kip Sabian for the win. So now that feud is more likely over with. You have Chuck Taylor, uh, Trent. Orange Cassidy, all in the ring. They all hug together. Chris Statlander gets in the ring, and now you see Chris Statlander hug the best friends. So now Chris Statlander is now with the best friends. You're starting to see women go into these factions and becoming a key instrument now in these factions. And we're going to see how this goes down the line. I'm interested to see how they're going to work this in, but we shall see. And now SmackDown highlights. They opened up SmackDown with Edge cutting a promo saying how uh, he respected Daniel Bryan. He had respect for Daniel Bryan at one point, but now he lost it all because Daniel Bryan uh, out-manipulated and out-weaseled Edge. And Edge says, I'm not really even mad at that because you know what? If anybody should have saw opportunists coming or... A manipulator coming is me. I was the ultimate opportunist. I should have saw this coming. And he talked about how he basically snapped because he's not just going against Roman Reigns one-on-one. He's going against Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and how he thought this was unfair and how he saw how he went out about this as being a nice guy. But he realized, you know what? I can't be a nice guy for this. I have to go back into being the rated R superstar. And once he got done smacking the chair across both Daniel O'Brien and Roman Reigns' back last week, he was finally able to look himself in the mirror and actually like what he saw. So he was able to see the Rated R Superstar 
back again in his eyes, and he's actually able to be the Rated R Superstar. So, that's how we open up SmackDown. Um, next week is going to be a fatal four-way tag team match for the tag team titles. It's going to be Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode putting up their tag team titles against the Alpha Academies, Chad Gable and Otis, uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio, and then the Street Profits. Uh, Cesaro and Seth Rollins had a promo against one another. They start talking at one another. Cesaro was giving a whole lot of swing references and trying to instigate Rollins to do something because Rollins is feeling humiliated. But Rollins just said that, you know what? You can't humiliate me. This is WrestleMania season. I'm at the top of my game. Nobody can do nothing. Cesaro just kept making references to swing this, swing low, all this type of thing. Rollins throws a fit. He starts yelling in Cesaro's face and says, you know, I'm not going to wait till Mania. I'm going to hand it to you right now. You're not even going to make it to Mania. And Cesaro just stands there and they just stare at one another. And Cesaro pig, puts the mic close to his lip and he says, okay then, swing. Seth Rollins does nothing. He looks at Cesaro. He puts his jacket back on, starts walking up the ramp. That's how you do that. Uh, Sami Zayn had his whole little trailer premiere, and he also did have uh, YouTuber Logan Paul there. Yeah, Logan Paul. Okay, cool. Not gonna knock the hustle, dude. Continue to do it. He's, I believe he was a fan of WWE, but who knows? But anyway, uh, Sami Zayn had Logan Paul there. He's Logan Paul had to, Logan Paul, at least I could give him this. He had the great Facial reactions to whenever Sami Zayn tried to say, you you see it what they did, right? You see it, you see it, right? And Logan Paul gives like the confused face, but like the, okay, like if he's like, yeah, but no, type style face. We all know those faces. Anyway, the segment ends up with Sami Zayn eating a stunner from Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens, as he's leaving out of the ring, he gives a little push to Logan Paul. Oh yeah, and by the way, Sami Zayn tells Logan Paul, he basically asks Logan Paul, will he be at WrestleMania being his uh, guest of honor? So Sami Zayn gave Logan Paul uh, basically an open invitation to be at WrestleMania this week, this year. So you more likely will see Logan Paul at WrestleMania this year. Ta-da. Main event of the show. Daniel Bryan is going against Jay Uso in a street fight. Edge is on commentary. It was a nice little street fight. It did, it did what it was supposed to do. The ending result was Dan Bryan tapped out uh, Jay Uso. He goes out of the ring. He hits Edge with a flying knee. He starts beating down on the Edge. He puts Edge head against the ring post and starts keeping on just smashing his body close to the ring post over and over. You see Roman Reigns on the stage sitting there with his championship, Paul Heyman behind him. And Daniel Bryan looks at the stage. He sees Roman up there. He starts walking up the stage. Roman hands the belt to Paul. And then he just sees Daniel continue to walk. And he's ready. Like, okay, he really wants to do this. He grabs the chair, throws it to Daniel Bryan. As he's walking up, Daniel Bryan moves out of the way. The chair missed Daniel. And now Daniel runs and gives uh, Roman a flying knee to the face. And he locks uh, Roman into the yes lock. And that's how you leave. Uh, that was the final image of SmackDown. 
Daniel Bryan standing over Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Now over to New Japan and by God, New Japan. This week, they debuted the IWGP World Heavyweight title. And boy, did that thing not get a good impression. Dude, I was so hot when I saw that belt design. I was like, oh my God, no. No, 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 no. You guys had the prestigious championship that looks so nice. And now you're stuck with this. But oh my God. But you know what? My brother had to top me down off the ledge. and I, Because we were able to compare it to whenever WWE mentioned that. We brought it back to uh, SummerSlam of 2016. Whenever they debuted and talked about the Universal title. We all thought it was going to be a big, grandiose-looking belt. And whenever they debuted, the belt was just basically the WWE title on a red leather strap. New Japan, at least they gave you a new-looking title. They did something to it. And my brother said, you know what, Joe? It's not the most ugliest belt. I understand why you're upset, because, yes, the other belt was pretty. But this is not an ugly belt, so relax. And I started to look at it. I was like, you know what? All right, fine. I'll relax. Why not? And then I started looking on Twitter. Everybody else were clowning it, calling the Cody Neck Tattoo, calling the old, calling it the old Divas title, just a remix version. You know what? I'm gonna give it some time. I'm gonna see if I can. How I'm gonna see how long I will try to change my opinion on the championship belt. Let's see if I can actually grow into that belt, and it actually grows in, and I appreciate it. Let's see how we do that. But anyway. They're prepping themselves up for uh, April 4th. I believe that's tomorrow. Their Sakura their Sakura Genesis 2021 show. And on that show, it will be Suzuki Goon's own Dukey. Oh no, Duke High, sorry. And Zack Saber Jr. and Tai Chi going against Bullet Clubs, Jado, Tamatanga, and Tongaloa. Another match will be Chaos's Okada, Toriano, Haruku Goto. And Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi going against Bullet Clubs. Dick to go. Takahashi. Taichi Ichimori. Kenta and Evil. Next match after that will be LIJ's own Naito, Sanada, and Shingo going against United Kingdom's own Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and a mystery partner who will be more than likely making a debut or a return to New Japan. I have no idea. And I can't wait to see who that is. The match after that will be Kojima and Hiroshi Tanahashi going against Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. The match after that will be for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles of Suzuki Goon's own El Desperado and Kenumaro going against Sho and Yo, Rapungi 3K. And in the main event, it will be Kota Ibushi going against Will Ospreay for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Going now, each match, I already have my prediction winners. I see uh, Jado and Tamatanga and Tangaloa beating Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and Doku. Doki, sorry. I see Chaos is on. Okada, Toriano, Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi beating Dick to Go, Takahashi, Ishimori, Kenta, and Evil. I see the United Kingdoms, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb and their mystery partner. I'm not sure. I'm not even going to put a guess into it because you know what? New Japan pulls stuff, 
pull rabbits out of the hats whenever it's time for a mystery person to either come into the organization or join a faction. They're able to pull a rabbit out of their hat with that. So they're not like American companies. American companies, you can kind of guess who the guy's going to be. And nine times out of ten, it's usually the guy that everybody like guesses over the internet. When New Japan usually has like a guy coming in, we don't know who it is. Especially with the whole restriction, travel restrictions now. I have no idea. People are thinking it's going to be La Sombra, or better known as over here in America, we know him as Andrade Cien Amas, who was in WWE, who has now been released. And I'm not sure if that's going to be him. I mean, it'll be interesting because he has history with Naito, because Naito was down there in CMLO on his little excursion trip. And he was with La Sombra whenever they did uh, the original Los Igronables down in CMLL. But like I said, it will be interesting to see if it does turn out to be La Sombra. I'm not sure, but we shall see. But anyway, I still picked the United Kingdom to win over LIJ. I picked Jay White and Bad Fale to beat Tanahashi and Kojima. To just basically, uh, Jay White beat down either Tanahashi or Kojima and make Tanahashi say, you're going to give me a championship opportunity for that never open weight title. I see Jay White just beating the devil out of either Kojima or Tanahashi and make Tanahashi give him an opportunity at that never open weight title. I see Rapungi 3K winning the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title over El Desperado and Kanemaru because El Desperado already has the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, World IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. And this is for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. Sorry for misspeaking. I see Sho and Yo winning that to win back the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Titles. Now, Desperado has the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. I'm thinking that they probably want him just to focus on that title and let the other Junior Heavyweights try to compete for those Tag Team Titles. And in the main event, I see Cody Ibushi retaining over Will Ospreay. Because Cody Ibushi just got that design belt after he's been wanting to unify both the heavyweight title and the continental title and call himself God. So I see Cody winning that and Jay and uh, Will Ospreay just basically losing. And I'm not sure who's the next challenger. We shall see. Now I have night one for next week's NXT uh, take <laughs> takeover on Wednesday. On night one, it will be Pete Dunne going against Kushida. MSK going against Legado Del Fantasma going against the Grizzly Young Veterans for the NXT Tag Titles. Leon Ruff versus Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Bronson Reed versus Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis versus LA Knight in the six-man gauntlet uh, number one contenders for the North American title the next night on night two of NXT TakeOver. Walter versus Chabo for the UK title. Eo Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship as the main event. I pick Pete Dunne to win over Kushida. I pick MSK to win the NXT Tag Titles. I pick Dustin Loomis to be the number one contender. I'm picking Walt Walter to beat Ciampa for the NXT UK title. And I'm picking Raquel Gonzalez to win the NXT Women's Championship. Night 2. You have Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart going against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell for the NXT Women's Tag Titles. You have Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly in an unsanctioned match. You have Johnny Gargano going against the Gauntlet Eliminator winner. I'm picking Dexter Loomis to beat Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American title. 
Yeah, uh, Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar for the ladder match for the NXT Cruiserweight title. And then you have Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross for the NXT title. I'm picking Ember Moon and Shashi Blackheart to retain their NXT Women's Tag Titles. I'm picking Kyle O'Reilly to beat Adam Cole in the unsanctioned match. I already picked Dexter Loomis to win both the uh, number one contender on night one and on night two to beat Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American title. I'm picking Santos Escobar to win the ladder match for and retain NXT Cruiserweight title. And I am picking Karrion Cross to beat Finn Balor to win back the NXT title that he never lost. Now, WrestleMania night one. I have the matches right here. You have Bianca Sasha Banks going against Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's title. I am picking uh, Belair to win the women's title. You have Lashley going against Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. I'm picking Lashley. I know it's going to be crazy for me to pick Lashley, but I think right now Lashley needs to hold on to that belt just a, just for longer. I don't want to see Drew try to get that uh, big heroic win for beating Lashley, and we just starting to see Lashley hold the WWE title. But like I said before in the previous episode, I see Vince giving Drew the title because he was a soldier, and this is now going to be his coronation in front of fans. But, in my opinion, I think Lashley should win. I see Bad Bunny beating The Miz on night one of WrestleMania. I see The New Day beating AJ Styles and Almas for retaining their Raw Tag Team titles. I see Braun Strowman beating Shane McMahon inside a steel cage. And I see Cesaro beating Rollins on night one so Cesaro can get his WrestleMania moment that has been promised to him. For years to come, and hopefully we see Cesaro start hitting out of hitting it out of the park, and him becoming a bona fide main eventer from that night on into the future. WrestleMania Night Two, you have Riddle going against Sheamus for the United States title. I see Riddle retaining the United States title. You have KO versus Sami Zayn. I see, ooh, I see Sami Zayn beating Kevin Owens. Big E versus Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum fight. Basically a no-holds-barred match. That's what I'm getting out of that. I see Apollo Crews do winning the Intercontinental title. The Fiend going against Randy Orton. This is the easiest match out of everything I've read. The Fiend beating Orton. Asuka going against Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title. I see Asuka winning. I want to see Rhea Ripley get built into this monster. I don't want to see her to like show up and just like beat Asuka. God no, I'm tired of that. Let this person get built up as a destructive force, as a destructive machine. Jesus, let Asuka get a win at Mania, dude. Come on. This is ridiculous. But anyway, that's I see Asuka retaining the women's title. And then I see Edge getting the Universal title at Mania in that triple threat match. I see Edge winning. If they pick Daniel Bryan, I'm going to be confused and just say, well, okay, why didn't you just go with Daniel Bryan to begin with and have Edge try to like be the guy in the middle, have this thing be a switch reverse if you have Daniel Bryan win. I'm just going to be honest. I don't see Roman winning this thing at all. I see Roman not getting pinned. I see that or not submitting. I do see that. I see Edge winning. That's my big thing. I see Edge winning. And the reason why I did those predictions instead of... No, the reason why I did that those predictions now instead of next week is because, as I've said last episode, and I'll restate it again, 
on whenever it's time for pay-per-views, you will be getting the pay-per-view recap from me on a Monday. So you will not be getting the sad, you will not be getting this wrestling, next week's wrestling uh, edition on a Saturday. You will be getting it that Monday, the day after WrestleMania. And I will be covering all the takeover, both takeover nights, both uh, nights of WrestleMania. I'll be uh, going over Sakura Genesis. And I'm more than likely just going to be going over uh, Impact and AEW because Raw next week and SmackDown next week is going to be basically be the last final nights to hype up WrestleMania. And let me give you guys my social media links because I want some interaction with us. I want some interaction with the you guys to see what you guys feel, how you guys feel about my predictions, and give me your predictions. Let me get my social media stuff to you right now. Hold on one second. You can find me on Twitter at my two podcasts. I'll say it again, it's at my, the number two, podcast, if you search it up that way. On Instagram, it's my two cents podcast G2. Again, it's my, the number two, cents podcast G number two. And if you want to talk to me about anything for sponsorships, uh, any for me to promote something, or just want to talk to me about something on a personal note, is. My personal email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, it's my the number two cents pod at yahoo.com. I appreciate you for sticking around and listening to my predictions and listening to the uh, weekend in wrestling. Yeah, weekend of wrestling highlights from me. Um, See you guys next Monday when you guys will get. The recap of Sakura Genesis, AEW, both nice NXT takeovers, and WrestleMania Night 1 and 2. And with that, I will see you guys uh, with wrestling next Monday. And for my topics on Sunday, the main topic, the main episode is Don't Be Stupid. I'm already giving that away to you now. That's the title of Sunday's episode. Don't be stupid. You'll understand more when you listen to the episode Sunday. But that's the episode for anything and everything. That's the title for it. Don't be stupid. Anyway, sorry for wasting your time more. I'm out of here. Love you guys. Until it's not farewell, until you hear the sweet voice again, where there's a light at the end of this tunnel, you just got to keep pushing. Believe me, I'm feeling it along with you guys. But by God, we're going to continue to push. I'm with you every step of the way. I love all of you. Make it through the rest of the day. For the love of God, make it through the rest of this week. And just be nice and courteous to one another. I love you guys. I'm out of here. Peace. I'm tired. You tired. Uh -huh. Jesus wept.